Hello, welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod. I'm Michelle. I'm Zena. Today we have an interview with Alexander Millington. He was lovely. He was a very nice man. He has, Very clever. Yeah, he was smart. He knew what he was talking about. Mm. He's done the Camden Fringe for the last two years um, and he's coming back for a third year this year. So we've talked to him about his past shows and his future show and other fringes that he's exploring. And we also talked to him about sex. We did. Before we get to that, we have news. I will start by talking about the Offies, which happened on Sunday the 12th. They announced over 50 awards. So Blimey. We will not be running through all of those. But there are a few Camden Fringe adjacent awards that we'd like to mention. Mm-hmm. So first is Katie and John Plews at the Gatehouse got a Lifetime Achievement Award for being generally brilliant at Upstairs at the Gatehouse. Ooh, congratulations. Congratulations They are to lovely. Them. And they do some fabulous work up there on Highgate Hill. There was an award for Evita 2 by Ship Theatre that was on at Soho Theatre. They won the Idea Colon Performance Award. But that did preview at the Camden Fringe last year under the title Don't Look Over Here, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm. Um, so we can't take credit for that one, but you know, interesting. We can take a, I mean, we could take a modicum, tiny, like a small percentage. I'd say 0.5%. Okay, yeah. And then finally, the big award was the um, Off-Fest Award for Camden Fringe, and that was won by Three Dumb Theatre for their show Dog Slash Actor, which Aww. was a very exciting, very well-deserved award. Stephen Smith is the main man of Three Dumb Theatre and the solo performer for Dog Actor. So this is what they have written on their Instagram. We've only just gone and won our second offie for Dog Actor Show at Camden Fringe. Huge thank you to the Camden Fringe for having us as part of your amazing festival. Thanks to the Etcetera Theatre for hosting us in your wonderful space. Thank you to Gaffer Ted as our technician. I've looked him up. Gaffer Ted is Eddie Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Burkoff for the words and Watford Council and Lipper Liverpool for supporting our 2022 UK and Malaysia tour. And thank you to offwestend.com. Wonderful. So our other news today is we have three more shows added over the last week. If we keep adding three or four shows every week, we're going to have a festival. We will soon. I think now it's started, I think they're going to start coming as a flood. Um, so we have four big C's. Simon Hall is one of the freshest and most exciting voices on the comedy circuit, but his journey has not been plain sailing. Taking up stand-up in February 2020, Simon had one month of gigging before Covid stopped his rise to glory. This show tells a story, so join Simon for his show Four Big C's, a tale of comedy, Covid, cancer and some complete and utter C's. Which venue is that on it? Hen and Chickens, 31st of July, 2nd of August. God, what a time to start doing comedy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was. It felt like the right time and then it was the wrong time. Do you think, I wonder if he went online and things online. Did you ever watch any online comedy? Mm, I watched a lot of online spoken word kind of things, but I don't think comedy. No, I think it's, it's very tricky. It's very tricky, isn't it? Yeah, I did a couple. I mean, for example, if you if you watch something on TV these days, how often do you have your phone and you had time? All the time. Yeah, whereas if you're actually in a theatre, you have to put your phone away. It's part of the rules. It's part of the rules, so you actually focus. So, yeah, it's we've probably all become quite bad at focusing on things. Yeah, I think the attention to the general public has dropped immeasurably. Massively, yeah. I mean, I struggle to finish a book. I struggle to finish a set. 
Um, so another show that has confirmed Riot Reveals 2023. Weirdly, they came from Edinburgh to do Camden, which I love. They had a right old time last year. They loved it. And Did they? they're back. Uh, after a successful run at the Camden Fringe 2022, sellout show at the Edinburgh Voodoo Rooms, they returned to Camden for two nights. Burlesque, drag, live music and comedy. That sounds fun. 4th and 5th of August, 9.30pm, Aces and Eights. So that's quite a small venue, so um, there won't be many tickets available. So get them whilst they're hot. And our third one is another returning show. And this is one with a swear in the title. Gentry f- Work in Progress. British Writers Guild Award-nominated comedian Kate Lois Elliott tells stories that are self-deprecating and, according to a drunk man at the fringe, unexpectedly profound. It's a debut show about finding your purpose. Join Kate on a journey through village life, 30-something existential crises and finding belonging without joining a cult, specifically not like her grandmother did. Ooh. Museum of Comedy. She's just doing one show on the 3rd of August. Another one to book up soon. Brill. So um, let's have a chat with Alexander. So Alexander, we were just about to ask you about your first Camden Fringe show. What was it and where did you do it? So yes, our first show was called Three Way. It was back in 2021. We performed it at the Lion and Unicorn Theatre above a pub. Um, It was our first sort of touring production as a theatre company and we were we wanted to create a piece that was exploring male bisexuality and we did this through three interlocking monologues uh, looking at three different aspects of bisexuality from the viewpoint of a, a married man, single man and also the daughter of a bisexual father and looking at the, the different aspects of it. Oh, that sounds really interesting and how, and how did you find performing at the Lion and Unicorn? Yeah, it was really good. We had some really good audiences there. Uh, one thing we, we really tried to do as a company, we like having a lot of interaction with our audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was our, our first proper go at it, as it were, with uh, just coming out of COVID. The the piece itself, we, we took the audience members' names to use as characters within the piece. So all the interactions between the performers' characters were interacting, therefore, with the audiences. And the, the responses from that were really positive. We were really happy with the responses we got from it. Because mm, that's, a, that's a really tricky thing to do, isn't it? to interact with your audience because normally you see comedians spend years working on ways of doing that don't you but it's not something that's maybe a natural thing for actors to do no and we we bear that in mind whenever we're working with other actors we we let them know there's going to be interaction there's going to be a a certain level of improv and you know we've got to think in our feet what if the audience doesn't respond not everyone is comfortable with that level of interaction and I totally appreciate that and totally understand it. I, if I'm in the audience, I don't want that to be perfectly honest. But as a performer, I like that back and forth and making the pieces that we do as conversational as possible. I want the audience to feel as if they are a part of the story. They're in, fully involved in it. So last year you did your second Camden Fringe show, which was I Heart Michael Ball at the Etc Theatre, also yeah. above a pub. Um, how did that show go? And was that quite interactive also? That was, yeah, that was fantastic. We loved doing that. Um, we're actually continuing that a little bit this year. Uh, but the the response at the etc. was really interesting for us. It was the first time we'd pushed the, the interaction that little bit further, inviting audiences on stage with us, asking them direct questions, knowing full well they wouldn't necessarily have answers to them. Um, the, the whole premise of the show was that my character was a Michael Ball obsessive and knew everything about him. And so I was asking audience members questions about Michael Ball, knowing full well that chances are they're probably not going to know. And 
having that level of interaction so that my response to them was either based off their lie or their admittance that they don't know anything about him. And that really helped develop the piece as we as we went along with the tour. And I know you put out quite a few invitations to Michael Ball to see the show. Has he been yet? He hasn't yet. We shall continue to try this year. The nearest we got was speaking to him on his radio show about it. And he was very enthusiastically positive about it, which is very nice. Did he think it was very strange or, or was it, was he scared or did he just think it was very funny? He seemed to think it was just very funny. Whether he was also scared and that's why he hasn't responded to, <laughs> to see the show, who knows? Uh, but yes, we, we will keep pestering, we will keep inviting and uh, one day we might just get him there. How my character will then respond to him being in the audience, I don't know yet, but time will tell. We'd love it if he could come to see if he could watch it and still let us keep his quote on the posters that everyone should see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael Ball, if you're listening to the Camden Fringe pod, because we, we know you probably do subscribe to it, <laughs> get in touch and we'll arrange a special showing for you. I would love that. If it, yeah. you know, Even if it's just me and him in the room. Yeah, I'm sure he'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing threatening or intimidating about that at all. <laughs> Your 2023 show is on sale now. And I've been watching your videos about the construction of your set. So tell us about the show and tell us about the caravan. So our, our new show is called A Caravan Named Desire. And it's a, a two-hand play with a, a female lead called Crystal who is a sex worker who works from her caravan and she gets a new client called Gary and it's sort of how their relationship develops over the course of a great number of months. We originally had the idea that, oh, it would be lovely to have a set that looks like a caravan and get fully immersed in that level of detail. So we were thinking about how we might go about designing this and speaking to set designers and working out budgets and everything else. And then we just thought, sod it, we'll buy a caravan. Um, it worked out cheaper and is now becoming quite the project. Uh, we've been posting the videos online of us slowly deconstructing a real caravan to hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, uh, turn it into a set of a caravan by taking off the ends, taking off the door, framing everything up. And that way we wanted to make it as versatile as possible for any venue that we go to. We can make it larger, smaller, and potentially even have it within the audience at some venues if we're lucky. So you're, you're actually cutting it into pieces so it would be able to fit through a normal door? Yes, we're, we're essentially taking off both sides. If you, if you picture the caravans, if you're looking at the, the long front of it, mm -hmm. we're taking off both ends so we can frame it. We're taking off the door, the bed. We were taking out the toilet until we discovered just how horrible that was and <laughs> we may find a different alternative for that part of the set. Um, so yes, we will have aspects of a real-life caravan on stage with us which we will be moving around inviting audiences to enter and again hopefully just fully immersing everyone in the show and you're taking that to brighton fringe before you come to camden is that right yes that's correct we're doing brighton fringe buxton fringe and camden and you've done have you done buxton before no of those three the only one we've done before is camden oh you've not done brighton before oh, yeah. either yeah, we, we were hoping to last year, but unfortunately some plans fell through and we didn't get to do it. So this year we're doing, we're actually doing both shows there. We're doing Caravan and Michael Ball at the same time. So that'll be a nice little challenge. Oh, for you'll me. have a great time doing that. And 
you can apply through Eventatron to do Brighton Fringe as well, can't you? You can. The The Eventatron format is wonderfully simple. I can do Brighton Fringe, Camden Fringe and a great many others on there and it mm-hmm. keeps it nice and simple. That's good. And Buxton Fringe on there or, or do you have to apply to them separately? No, Buxton Fringe is a separate one. Uh, mm-hmm. Therefore, still relatively simple. It, we, the main reason we went for them is that we're using the Rotunda in Brighton and they're also doing Buxton so we thought we'd stick with them for a little while and see how they uh, operate. Perfect and and as you've done this is your third year doing a fringe show what what lessons do you think you've learned that you're taking into this year? The biggest thing is marketing every year we build on our marketing because there are that many shows going on and there are that many brilliant shows going on there's a lot of competition there so You cannot underestimate how much you might need to spend on marketing, how much time you're going to have to put into it. This is the first year we're probably doing lots of videos documenting our progress at this point. Mm -hmm. And again, the responses have been fantastic. We're getting lots of interaction online. We're hoping that will turn into potential audience members and ticket sales as we get nearer the fringes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for me, it's, it's marketing. It's the essential use of social media which I'm not <laughs> the best at but each year I think I'm getting a little bit better and I think the the fringes are helping me do that as well. We wanted to ask you as well about your doctorate. Yes uh, I'm currently also doing a, a PhD at Montfort University which is exploring intimacy and sexual behaviour in contemporary British theatre and my research is practice-based so all the productions I do also act as part of my research. Uh, with three-way, we had the the monologues exploring acts of intimacy through bisexuality. With caravan, we're pushing it that little bit further. There will be some partial nudity. There will be some scenes of intimacy on stage. Uh, we're hoping to work with an intimacy director on this project as well. And so the the research really does go hand in hand alongside it. It adds to the rehearsal process as I'm writing about it I have extra things I can explore as well mm-hmm. with the different things I'm reading different techniques for as a director as a writer as a performer and sort of looking at all the other playwrights how they're writing sex and intimacy on stage now and how it's changed over the past 20-30 years has been fascinating. It's certainly changed on the TV hasn't it? Yes absolutely I mean the the work of an intimacy director now coming in ensuring safe practice and Ensuring that the the creative image is still there, the visuals are what the director wants, what the writer wants, but it's just with that little bit more consideration for the actors. Mm-hmm. Yes, you've agreed to do a, a play or a TV series or a film which has a sex scene in and it might have full nudity, but you can now freely negotiate well, how much nudity are we going to show? Is it going to be the side? Is it going to be front on? Is it going to be lit a certain way so it's going to be flattering or slightly hidden? And I think a lot of the time as well, it's coming in with much more of a female focus now, rather than it being gratuitous, think of the male audience, what do they want to see? Mm-hmm. It's now taking that female view of, right, what does everyone want to see? What does everyone need to see? What do they not need to see? Mm. And and sort of building on that as a, an, an initial framework. Yeah, there's def- I've definitely noticed some, um, you know, like uh, normal people and, and mm. Bridgerton where they're really going for it. That, that's quite shocking, isn't it? It <laughs> is. It is quite shocking. You did, didn't used to see things like that in the 80s, that's for sure. <laughs> no, that's it. I mean, with, with the, the practices being put in place now, 
in a way, we're actually able to see more of it on screen mm-hmm. without the potential issues that used to happen of uh, predatory directors or people taking advantage or unnecessary people being on set. It is a closed set. They rehearse it as much as they can, fully clothed, just sort of stepping through it. Mm-hmm. And then just like that in last... um, like in Love Actually, would the rehearsals yes. be like that? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It, exactly not... like that. Yeah, it's not far off that. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So if there are any Camden Fringe shows that are doing nudity on stage, do you want them to get in touch with you? Absolutely. So you can check them out? Yeah, anyone who's doing (laughs) nudity, anyone who's doing any form of intimate scenes or even monologues discussing it, uh, they all go towards my research and that'd be fascinating for me to see. So if you're listening and you're doing something like that, let us know and we'll put you in touch with Alexander. Thank you very much. The the Michael Ball thing, can we go back to that? Are you were you yeah. was it based on your own obsession or was that not I wouldn't say I'm obsessed. I, I am a fan. Uh I, I enjoy his music, I enjoy his shows. Um I've seen him on stage uh in Sweeney Todd and I've had his CDs for quite some time and following three way, which was a, a three hand play and as I'm sure anyone else who has done any form of producing is aware, actors are expensive. Uh, we wanted to sort of take a step back and we do a one-man show. Worst case scenario, it's me playing it. I'm not getting paid, but I'm enjoying the process. We're building our company and things like that. But we were very lucky again to get Arts Council for it. It was semi-autobiographical in terms of I am a fan and some of the props were things that I have. But we just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and... For some audience members, it was a little bit shocking. It has a, a bit of a twist towards the end, and it's it it kept audiences guessing throughout, which we were really happy with. But yes, I'm not quite as obsessed as the character of Alex in the play. <laughs> not that you'll admit to. Not that I'll admit to, no. <laughs> I mean, like I say, followers on social media, you come and see for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've had Arts Council funding for your last two shows, which is incredibly impressive i know it's very hard to to get have you got any tips for people who are seeking funding for their performances for us it's a case of how can we engage with our audience both during the show building up to the show but also we want to interact with the communities of the areas that we're going to yes we're we're coming to camden fringe we're coming to the camden people's theater to put the show on there'll be a level of audience interaction there but we'd love to do some work with the community around it. So if there's anyone that wants workshops, for instance, around that time while we're in the vicinity, then we would love to do that. Whenever we're filling in these Arts Council forms, we want to apply to schools, colleges, community groups, which want to explore theatre in the way that we do it, with that level of interaction, with a form of storytelling, which is conversational. So for us, it's working out how we can get to the widest audience, not just for our production, but as a company. So I I think that would always be the key thing. And and with the Arts Council funding, how far in advance do you send your forms in? You know, if you say if you wanted to do Camden Fringe, would you apply like in December or earlier than that? Yeah, we, every year we learn and every year we don't apply soon enough, in our opinion. We we sent our application just before Christmas. Mm -hmm. We were accepted and essentially money will be in the bank start of March. But you've got to bear in mind, you might not get it. 
-hmm. you will get a second chance. They always give you good feedback on how you can develop it if you want to try again, but you've then got to think, right, I've got another eight week window to wait. So I would always advise minimum of 16 to 20 weeks before your actual show starts. And do you have to put aside quite a lot of time to fill it in as well? Because they're quite rigorous, the forms, aren't they? Yes, as as a wonderful job Arts Council do supporting the arts financially, they are not helpful with that form. <laughs> uh, they they do some great webinars and Zoom calls as well to try and explain it. But I think there is always a level of uncertainty and not knowing what it is they actually want when they ask their questions. It, it's one of those things where my wife and I joke that you need a university degree just to be able to fill in the form because of the language they're going to yeah. want. And artists are quite often not the people who are ever good at filling forms in. No, potentially if you're a, if you're a different learner, if you if you communicate in a different way at all, having just a blank A4 page in front of you asking you questions about a creative project, but not asking creative questions, they don't care too much about what the show's about. They want to know how you're going to affect change how you're going to budget everything and not every artist is great with a budget either it's no. it's a very complicated form to fill out sometimes um you mentioned your wife before so helen is the other half of split infinitive theater is that right she is indeed so helen is a, a fabulous director she's directed all our shows so far and it, it's even been noted with some of the critics, she sort of brings the humanity to the pieces. She she knows the characters that I write. She knows the performers we work with as well and helps everyone sort of play to their strengths. And so far, it's it's worked beautifully every single time. As a as a partnership of me writing and her directing, it's, it's always been Aww. just as we want it to be. Yeah, like the Richard and Judy of the Camden Fringe. <laughs> Oh, I hope they're not. I hope, I hope, I hope they're better than that. Well, they're a little bit nicer, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to give all the dates for the three venues? You are. So, yes, it would be fantastic to see people come and see a caravan named Desire. We're at the Brighton Fringe, 30th of May to the 3rd of June, Buxton Fringe, 21st to the 23rd of July, and the Camden Fringe, 8th to the 12th of August at the Camden People's Theatre. It's going to be the biggest show we've done so far. We've got interaction, we've got set, we've got everything we've always wanted to try and play with. So we just want the audience there to help develop the story each night now. And where can we see I Heart Michael Ball? So I Heart Michael Ball is going to be at the Lantern at Brighton on the 31st of May and the 2nd and 3rd of June. It's also going to the Nottingham Playhouse in April 28th as well. So if there's anyone in Nottingham listening, come see us at Nottingham Playhouse. Brilliant. And your theatre company, does your theatre company have a website? It does. It's splitinfinitivetheatre.co.uk. We've got a Facebook for Split Infinitive Theatre and a Twitter Split Theatre. And we've just resorted to a TikTok as well. So you can track <laughs> us down on pretty much everything. Uh, we're on TikTok now as well. So we'll, uh, we'll find you on there. Ah, fantastic. We'll, we'll find you and we'll ask you some questions about intimacy. <laughs> Been in a robot voice. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Um, Thank you very much, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, hopefully brilliant. see you at the launch party. Yes, that'd be brilliant. Thank you. See you then. Well, that was a lovely chat with Alexander. It was a lovely chat with Alexander. What a nice man. We'll be back next week with more stuff in the meantime you can follow us on twitter facebook and tiktok 
at Camden Fringe and Instagram at The Camden Fringe. And if there's any aspect of Fringe you particularly would like us to talk about, email us your suggestions to camdenfringe at gmail.com and we will try and cover it. Thank you. Bye. Bye.